like the negotiation piece is huge. We haven't been able to use our negotiation skills for the last couple of years because it's just basically like submit the highest offer and cross your fingers. Now negotiation is really coming into play, as you said. On both sides, on both sides. Yeah. Like- Building a successful real estate career requires you to adapt, pivot, and constantly master new skills. We're Katie and Daniel Steinfeld. We've built our own innovative brokerage. And in this podcast, we've assembled actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to take your business to its maximum potential. It's time to level up. Level up. Welcome to another episode of Level Up. My name is Katie. I'm here with Daniel. And today we have a very special episode for the newer agents in our podcast community, uh, just talking about how the changing market uh, is impacting things and what new agents need to know as they progress into this sort of a market. Welcome yeah. to the show, Mr. Steinfeld. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Steinfeld. I appreciate that that very friendly and endearing. What does endearing mean? I wanted I to know. use the word endearing. It was endearing. Whatever you just said was very <laughs> endearing. Um, yeah. So we're talking to we're talking to newer agents, but honestly, I wanna say that everything we ever say that's for newer agents tends to be just as relevant for those who consider themselves grizzled vets. Like I don't consider myself a grizzled vet. I'm shy of 10 years in the industry. You're shy of 10 years. Really? I'm, I'm shy, of ten. shy of 10 years. I'm 12 years. So how many years are you? Like eight or nine. You're, look, you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. Well, I left the Argos in 2013. And then mm-hmm. what was it? 2015, I started. 2014? 2014, I think I started the courses. Okay. All right. So, so what is that? Seven or eight years? Not eight or nine? Yeah. Whatever. It's still shy. It could be one year. It's shy of 10. <laughs> Everything's shy of 10 until it gets to 10. No, I was just trying to do the math because I'm like, maybe I was in, in the industry longer. But no, I, I was in the industry when Emily was, or I started. Like yeah, when Emily was born. You're in the industry like five years longer than me. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're all good. Thank you for clearing that up. I, all right. I, yeah. <laughs> you're welcome. In any case. We're no, <laughs> neither of us are grizzled vets. Let's just put it that That's right. And where we might not be new, we can benefit from this. Yes. And so anyway, take it away, sister. All right. So obviously the market, at least in our market is changing quite a bit. Uh, It's no longer a seller's market. Dare I say it's a buyer's market now, or it's definitely a more balanced market. So with that comes a lot of changes to how we operate as an agents. Yeah. Well, I I think it was an easy market for realtors. I think and if I, you're working I, with sellers, yeah. If you're working with sellers, yeah. I mean, it was it was a frustrating market if you're working with buyers. Um, it was an easy layup sort of a market if you were working with sellers, generally speaking, where like we've talked about in past episodes, you were, whether you wanted to be or not, you could operate as an order taker and you could operate as someone who just put it out there and it would sell and you'd make lots of money. And mm-hmm. That's fine. Good for you. If you were able to take advantage of that. 
Um, I don't know if I'd say it's a buyer market. I think right now it's a market in flux <laughs> and um, we're seeing all kinds of surprising things everywhere, which lends itself to when we talk about a, a difficult or challenging or confusing market, um, it's, it's one where the, like you said, like this is into the unknown, right? This is something where we don't know as agents exactly what the outcome is going to be every time. And now, yeah. dare I say it, we and our clients need to rely on our expertise, professionalism, and advice to get through it in as successful a way as we can. This is where we earn our stripes, as they say. Yeah. So I think this, exactly. uh, I think this episode is really geared to basically speaking, how to do your job properly when things aren't handed to you, right? Whether mm -hmm. it's a seller's market, whether it's a buyer's market, how are you going to approach things when you don't have the answer before you ask the question? And that's the market that we're in right now. And it might be for forever. Who knows? That's how our job's supposed to be is we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. But keeping track of what's going on numbers wise and in your particular market is really helpful. And so, because I like to go into tactical advice right away, I, Hit me with it. <laughs> I would say that it starts from the beginning of a conversation that you have with a client, because a lot of clients are looking to buy and sell. And the default was to do what's harder first. And that's was buying a property. Um, and now I would say that that has shifted for the most part, depending on the market you're in. But I, I think the conversation needs to be let's look at selling your home first. So you know exactly like the factors and the price that you're going to get for it, put in a longer closing and then buy. That would be my advice for the most part right now for people. Yeah, it probably is now. I think now I, when we talk about active listening and we talk about, you know, really getting to know your clients, I think that more than ever is also applicable now. So really understanding what's the situation? What are all yeah. the factors? Like we talked last week about all the different factors that go into an offer when we were talking about open bidding, right? And we talked about open bidding last week, didn't we? We did. Yeah. yeah. So in a different way, this is kind of some of the work you need to do with your clients is identifying all the different things that could impact the way you're going to service them, right? What's their mm -hmm. urgency? What's the most important thing here? Is it about getting the most money? Is it about being done quickly? Is it, you know, about peace of mind, whatever it is. Um, and generally speaking, I think people are going to want to do what we've talked about, what you just mentioned, which is let's go with, you know, getting the hard stuff out of the way first so that we don't get screwed. People don't want to get screwed. Yeah. Right. And this is a scare, like the market's been scary forever. This isn't new that there's situations where your clients are going to be frustrated, but the earlier you can identify the most likely pain points, the easier it's going to be for you to address those and keep those top of mind throughout the process. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's just as you said, like really digging deep into what their motivations are, what their risk tolerance is, what exactly they're looking to do and their goals at the end of the day. And that's something that I don't think we've had as many conversations with, with people about, especially sellers. It's kind of like, okay, let's just stick your house on the market and we'll be sold in a week. That's not the case anymore. So it's really about determining 
okay, how are we going to do this in a very strategic way? You know, you got to bring your strategy back. And if you've just came into this market as an agent and it's all, all, you know, is to, you know, buying is hard, selling is easy. Um, it's really about wrapping your mind around, okay, what do I need to know, um, in order to really serve my clients in this sort of a shifting market? Right. And so, that comes down to talking to people, like talking to people in, in, in the industry as well and getting their, their feedback, um, just because there's been a lot of people that have been through this sort of a change. Um, so that can be really valuable for you. Yeah. Well, equipping yourself with knowledge from a lot of different sources is what's going to get you not through this because this is your life. This is your job. You're not trying to like escape no. the market, but in each interaction you have, this is about being as well-versed in what's going on as you can be. And so you mentioned talking to people who are maybe in the area who have had recent successes and or failures in the same sort of things you're looking at and doing some just good old fashioned research on the market, understanding the numbers, digging yeah. deep. Um, and like with everything else, like with branding, like with anything, when it comes to your knowledge, you want to know as much or more than anybody else who's in the market alongside you, right? Mm -hmm. You're the pro people are bringing in, not just to make their house look pretty, but you're the pro who they're bringing in to educate them about what's happening, what they can expect. And then also to use that knowledge to help negotiate and work the deal when the time yeah, comes, right? Absolutely. Because if you know more than the person across the table from you, you're better equipped to justify mm -hmm. your position, to, to uh, intelligently speak about what it is that you're trying to negotiate. And it just kind of takes a big, painful, stressful variable out of it. Cause that's something you can do that regardless of what the market is, learning about it is not limited. It's not something that you're going to be forced to say, I can't do this, right? It's all there. The data is available to you. Yeah. Use it. Yeah. Especially if you're working in a specific area, it can be really easy to get those statistics and just keep it on top of weekly trends and what you're seeing. Um, because even coming down to the, the selling strategy, you know, the default for most properties has been set an offer date and list lower than what you're expecting. And now we're seeing properties relist, price changes, terminations, all of that kind of stuff. So maybe in your market, uh, an offer date scenario is not the way to go. Maybe price closer to where you're looking, like where you see the value and welcome offers anytime. That's something that a lot of people aren't really familiar with. And, yeah. and even to your point before, like the negotiation piece is huge. We haven't been able to use our negotiation skills for the last couple of years because it's just basically like submit the highest offer and cross your fingers. Now negotiation is really coming into play, as you said. On both sides, on both sides. Yeah. Like, like I yeah. think this is now a tool that we're supposed to be equipped with and, and, and good at. And yeah. it's been a little bit frustrating for me that that hasn't been, I mean, it's great to get a deal done, right? But especially if you've been on the buyer side, for example, and negotiation consists of just submitting something blindly, yeah, there's no negotiation there, right? And then someone calls you and says, improve. That's not mm -hmm. negotiation, right? You want to be able to really use your knowledge and to end to a degree, you know, if you've been working on your negotiation skill and you've got 
you know, the ability to build relationships and develop a good discourse with people, this is the time where those tools are coming to the forefront. So the positive of all of this, even though, you know, calling it a challenging market or a changing market or whatever can be scary and can have a negative connotation to it. It's like, this is what your training is for. This is what you're doing the job for. And you should feel good that a market is presented to you now that beyond all else has and will reinforce the value of what a real estate professional is there for, Mm -hmm. right? Like if we're worried in this industry about our reputations and we hear the public and whoever talking about, you know, all we're doing is taking big commissions or whatever it is, like whatever the negative connotation is. In a large part, that's because when things seem really easy and it doesn't seem like you are using all the tools that are afforded to you, it's tough to justify. We talk about justifying your value and it's, there's lots of ways to do it, which we've talked about in the past, but isn't it nice to know that you've now got a situation where this is why we exist? Like this is where we're proving our value? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there was a pause there. I thought you were going to cut in. I, oh, I thought you I thought you were like frozen or muted or something like that. It was weird. I was yeah. frozen staring at you in Zoom, yeah. but I wasn't. Yeah. Well, one thing I've noticed in this changing market is just the houses that are presented nicely, that are well-maintained, that are staged, that are photographed well, all the stuff that we offer typically to a seller, those are the ones that do really well. And I think not every agent, but a lot of agents haven't put as much effort over the last couple of years into their listings because they haven't needed to, they could literally just put it up on MLS and you know, it, it sells. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I was about to hold myself back there because I'm like, oh, I'm making it look too easy. But like, it's kind of true. But oh, no, the, the junk that we've seen, and it's not always yeah. junk, but in a lot of cases, even now, I mean, if you walk into a seller who's who you're selling a place for land value, let's say, and you know that the house itself doesn't need much, then fine. I mean, market it that way. But generally speaking, yeah. it's just houses that like you can tell. Like half the houses we've seen were just not professionally staged or it was a really cheap job and and they still do fine. Yeah, like I'm thinking more about the houses that like little minor fixes that really go a long way. Like if you Mm. just like paint the baseboards or just repaint the house, and I mean, I know that could be a little expensive, but that really goes a long way. Like if you've got like this bright blue bedroom or actually I saw yesterday a listing I was looking for my clients and I'm looking at the house and I'm flipping through the pictures and all of a sudden I see the kitchen and the kitchen, the cupboards are painted this like teal blue color. And I'm looking at the backsplash, which is white and the the counters, which are pretty neutral. And I'm like, if only they would have painted those cupboards it would have made a world of difference to how the home presents as a whole. So Mm -hmm. just things like that. And those are things that your clients are relying on you to suggest to them because they might not know, they might think their bright teal blue cupboards are beautiful and everybody's going to love them, but you got to probably do. Yeah. Well, you got to find a way to like finesse that, that uh, those strategies into the process, but really that makes a huge difference these days. Well, knowing what's going to set you apart is always important, especially if we're, I I still don't think we're in a buyer's market. I think now we're just in a real stalemate where now sellers need to wake up and smell that 
this isn't the forever upward trajectory it has been with interest rates in the economy. And I do think prices are, are recessing, but now buyers just have more to choose from. There's still more buyers than there are sellers, but when there's more sellers or more things sitting, it's on you as a seller to do the extra bit to separate yourself and to look better with things like you're saying there is to be able to differentiate yourself in a good way. Um, because in the past, I remember like when, when it's crazy and everything's competitive, I had a client who was going out of his way and you've probably had this too, to look for things that look terrible mm -hmm. because those were the ones he thought he had a shot at. He's like, Oh man, those teal cabinets, maybe no one's going to like this. We can get in yeah. there and we can make a preemptive on hour zero to try to buy this thing. That's not the market we're in right now. Yeah. And so, nor should that be the, the approach you take anyway as a seller. Cause I think even if it's a quote unquote seller's marker market, it's your job to make your place as good as it can be. Like you're still going to get more money and more demand, even if people are lining up for your place, but yeah, it's, it's less, it's less busy now with buyers. Like it's just, it's not that world where you throw it out there and it's going to, it's going to generate tons and tons and tons of interest if it doesn't actually present well. Right. And also when you are offering different services, it's really great to have suppliers and like people like handy people and plumbers and electricians and things like that. Maybe you're not necessarily paying for all of that, but if you have like a select group of people that you can trust, that you can refer to your clients and they can use them and, and turn around their property so that it's ready to go quickly. I think that that's really valuable as well. Cause a yeah. lot of people don't have those resources at their, like, especially handy people is one thing that's very hard to find a really good handy person. That's reliable. That will do the small jobs because a lot of contractors these days are so busy with the bigger projects that replacing like a plank of, of laminate flooring because it's dented or whatever is not something they're going to want to do even to find a roofer these days. Like I have reached out to a few people, a couple have responded and then they've never gotten back to me because all I want is our roof to be inspected. I don't want it to be replaced. I just want to see if there's certain parts that need to be fixed and nobody's responding to me because yeah. it's such a little job. So having those people at your, like just to be able to use is really, really valuable. I think for your clients. Well, I, I know that initially it was, I don't know if it was you or if it was me. I want to say it was you that leveraged one of those apps or one of those services where it's basically people who do small yeah. jobs. I know. And, and I still use Thomas. And, I still use and him. Thomas became the handyman yeah. that is called on. Like this was a guy. Yeah. And I mean, sorry to whatever that service company is. We're not giving you your service charge anymore because we're doing it on the <laughs> side. But the, there are all kinds of resources out there where, especially for small jobs, you can find somebody the same way, you know, people yeah. say, get a kid to hand deliver your flyers or whatever. Like there's people out there. I'm not saying hire a kid to fix your roof, but like yeah. find these people who have reviews and who are built to show up for a few hours and charge you a hundred bucks to do a small job and get it done. Mm -hmm. It makes you look like a hero, but that's not the point here. The point here is to just get things done that are going to serve your listing, your client better. Yeah. Um, and the same thing, even if it's a buyer of yours who's moving in, and this is part of what you do to help them with their move in as a service you do, it's great to have these resources available to you. They're out there. There's lots yeah. of people looking to make money, to make a quick buck, who are good at what they do and who can save you a lot of heartache.
for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so, go ahead. No, was, no, go ahead. I, no, I'm going to pivot. So stick with what you're talking so about. So am I. No, no, no. I'm, I'm pivoting as well. So go ahead. Ladies first. All right. I refuse. Um, <laughs> uh, the other thing that I think is going on right now is sellers are being a little unrealistic. Some sellers are being unrealistic about their price expectations. They're seeing prices back in February and March, and they're saying, well, if they can get that, then why can't I sell my house for the same price or higher? And the fact of the matter is that's not possible for the most part. And it's really important as you, as, as a listing agent going in, you're going to save yourself a lot of heartache if you can recognize when a seller is not being realistic and they're not going to come down on their price at all um, to not take those listings. And it's a very hard decision, especially if you're starting out. I totally understand that. Mm -hmm. But just think of like the amount of money that you're putting into these listings and how, how you could potentially lose money if you're working with somebody that's not going to be realistic, if they don't have any urgency. And, and that's, that's one clue, I guess, when you are working with, with sellers is maybe they might be unrealistic, but if they need to sell, they're going to come down off their price at some point. Like that's how I kind of view it. Whereas if somebody's just like, oh, let's test out the market and see if I can actually get what my neighbor sold for back in February, that's a red flag. And I would walk away from that pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned like that it can cause heartache and cost you money. Like if you're new and you haven't had a listing before and you're right, it's near impossible to walk away from a listing. But this is also where if you haven't yet taken the time to understand what goes into a listing from a budgeting, from a cost and resources perspective, it's not guaranteed money. Like it's not guaranteed revenue and frustra- and sellers who come in with misguided expectations are the same sellers who will gladly walk away from you when you don't hit it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that is yeah. just, you could be several thousand dollars in the hole feeling dejected and all that. And it happens. Don't get me wrong. Like in a market that's frustrating, lots of things can go South. Um, and it's going to happen. And, you know, we've lost, well, yeah, we've lost deals before where it's cost money. Um, dare I say, um, but in any case, um, this is again, talking back to expectations. This is with buyers as well. You've got buyers. This is what we've been talking to people about in the past where someone calls you and they've got $400,000 to spend on a minimum three bedroom condo in downtown Toronto you need to be able to identify that that's not going to work for them. It doesn't mean you hang up the phone on them, but it's up to you to do what you can to be comfortable educating and giving, you know, a, a, a reasonable and, and fact-based advice to these people. And if they want to take it, it'll serve you well as you work together because the cards are on the table. And if they don't, in a lot of cases, like we've also talked about, they'll find someone who's going to tell them what they want to hear. No question. Someone will answer them and give them what they want, but they're not going to, most likely they're not going to be successful. If their expectations are so out to lunch that you're willing to walk away, they're probably really like beyond, beyond like a, a stroke of lightning. Is it a stroke yeah. of lightning, flash of lightning, stroke of genius, flash of lightning. It's beyond a miracle of, uh, of them getting that done. Well, so, what you normally see in markets like this is there'll be one or two agents that first take the listing at a ridiculous price. And then it will come to like the third agent who 
now the seller realizes that they can't get what they want for it. And then they mm-hmm. give them the price that's actually realistic. And that person comes out the hero, whereas the other two agents look like the losers, but they right. were like up against a very impossible situation. So it's, it's, I've seen it before. It happens all the time. Don't be that agent. Don't be that yeah. agent. Yeah. Uh, but th- this is something that you need to be really prepared for now is when your phone rings or when your leads reach out to you, you're hearing similar things from them that we would have been hearing for the last six months to a year when things were going like this, they're still in that world. People out there are hearing what they hear. They're seeing neighbors. They're watching the media. The media still like, yeah. look, look, we're in the middle of an election here in Ontario, right? And the whole concept of home ownership and the difficulty in buying a home is not going away as an issue just because we who are really close to it know that in the last couple of months, things are leveling out, going down. The, the mood of the public is that it's still impossible to buy. Right. Yeah. And it is still difficult to buy because of what you said, that sellers expectations are still for the most part, not where they need to be. Right. They haven't started to recess back to where they should be. But that for you is going to become a challenge that when your phone rings, you're going to hear these people, buyers with a mindset that it's impossible, sellers with a mindset that it's easy. And so you also, as much as you know, as much as you're aware of what's happening and you're prepared with all that stuff we talked about with statistics and all this research, you also need to understand the mood of the market, the mood of the people you're talking to. And that comes through the conversation and letting them explain to you what it is that they're expecting mm-hmm. before you start jumping into, oh, the market's this, or you're going to get this or whatever. The conversation is going to be a whole lot easier if you first get to the bottom of where their head's at. They might already have their head screwed on right and everything's great. Yeah. Or they might just be looking for your advice, or they might very likely have a strong opinion of their own that's driven them to make the call to you one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So do all the listening as much as you can to help guide how you massage in reality to them. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that requires more updates in terms of the market. Like if they're not really ready to sell yet, it's not like you have the conversation with them and leave them until they're ready to sell. It's, it's consistently updating them because honestly, things are changing week by week. And I know that's not a determination of a trend um, necessarily, but just keeping them aware of those kinds of things, that's your job. They shouldn't have to be seeking that information out for themselves. Like what did their neighbor sell for last week or how many offers did they get? All that kind of stuff. So those are the things that you should be doing. And that's that kind of feeds into also, this is a great opportunity for you to reach back out to those people in your sphere or past leads that you've spoken to and give them an update on the market. Like what has happened since. And if they're a buyer or a seller, first of all, if they're a buyer, this could be a great opportunity to start chatting about getting back into the market. Now that things are cooling down, there's more options now. Mm -hmm. And as a seller, a lot of sellers are looking to buy as well. And the whole idea of, you know, sometimes selling and buying in a high time can be stressful. Um, and, and people would rather have a little bit more, like feel more at ease going into the process. Um, and so, cause if you're buying high, you're probably selling high. And if you're buying low, you're probably selling low as well. So it, it all kind of evens out at the end of the day, but I think a lot of people do want to be kept updated and, and want to see how that sort of a strategy can work for them in a changing market. Yeah. There, 
what I've heard a lot of from our agents and from clients for the last year is buyers staying on the sidelines. I'm going to wait on the sidelines until dot, 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 whatever the reason Mm -hmm. there's always going to be that there's going to be sellers waiting, people waiting, and that's fine. And they're in your CRM to get back to them. But especially with every apparent shift in the market, it is a reason to address why they've been on the sidelines and why it might not be a great idea to stay there, right? Because future volatility can go, as we've seen, in any which way, any direction. And if a buyer has been staying on the sidelines, I mean, today is not easier necessarily than a year ago, but it's easier than a month ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So yeah. w- which spot are you going to pick? And then... Uh, you know, what's the end game? Like, do you have, are these people with small kids who are getting older? Are these people who want to be in a new home before the school year starts? You know, is it tenants or landlords who have contracts coming due or or different things like that? There's so many different variables that the more you know about your clients, the more you can use the situation we're in to help them make the right decision. And we titled this Into the Unknown Because as we've talked about before, everything that comes from this point forward is not a certainty, right? We're the professionals, but we don't know what's ahead. We only know what's behind us. And just because it hasn't been a straight line for the last two weeks, a month, three months, six months, whatever, it doesn't mean we can't draw from that and reason from that and still use the information we know and speculate going forward, whether it's interest rate potential. Like we just saw what an interest rate has done, regardless of what anybody says about the impact interest rates have, if they don't think it has an impact, it had a real impact on buyers ability to purchase. It's definitely had an impact on pricing and the way that sales have happened. Now, again, professionals, speculators are saying there's going to be another interest rate bump, right? Most likely June 1st. If it's not, it'll be in the next meeting. And it might be a lot. And definitely over the balance of this year, barring something crazy, interest rates are going to be higher. Use that knowledge and what we've seen happen to justify what could and very likely will happen in the coming months for your buyer clients and for your seller clients as well, right? You can use all this data. It's not just what did the houses on your street sell for, right? What's the average price in your market? Use that data, use showing data, which is now available to a lot of us as realtors. How many people are seeing properties or is traffic going down, going up? Look at how many showings are happening on competing properties. Talk to agents. Lots of information. I could just go on forever, but I won't. Uh, Yes, good points. <laughs> I could, I could have kept going. I'm trying, I'm trying to read the room, which is just you. Well, we talked last week about like giving each other signals that maybe you're, you're going on too long. What, what's your, what's your signal? Slowly dozing off to sleep. <laughs> we didn't talk about it this time, so I didn't know what to do. But yes, I agree. Data, data, data. Use the data. That's there's, important. There's just so much of it. It's, it's. <laughs> you're just. It, you need to, you need to do the Use work. The data. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yes. I'm drilling it home though. This is like, I'm not saying that the people out there listening are not catching on to this, but yeah. this isn't even the first time we've said this either. Like, you know, we've done 125, 130 episodes of this show and 
could you consolidate everything we've said into like a really solid like six hour mini series with everything probably but the messages are important to keep drilling home to people because this is what's going to make you successful especially in an uncertain market yeah well especially because you do see listings come out and it's obvious that um that particular agent hasn't been involved in that market like because every market's been so different so i think you know you do really have to keep on top like if you're listing significantly lower with an offer date for two weeks away i mean you might not be paying attention to how what the market's been doing lately or you know what what strategy seems to work really well because i know in our market if you're pricing at a really like fair number based on what the stats are telling you currently, you're going to sell in a week, but it's, it's the people that have the list low welcome offers at a certain date and then get offended because everybody comes in, you know, 50, hundred thousand dollars less than what they were expecting. And then Which is ironic be- because you said welcome offers that implies yeah. that they'll be happy when things come in. Yeah, but they aren't, but they aren't. <laughs> Yeah. So it's just, it's those pricing games. And sometimes you can't help it. Sometimes you you need to try different strategies and you need to make sure your client understands. Like, okay. The, the issue isn't that it's not going to work for clients. It's that, you know, what the next step is once um, something maybe doesn't work. That's, that's what they need to have that reassurance from you front about. Right. And there's a difference between that and preparing people for failure. That's not what you're doing. You're just identifying that you see this happen, like learn from the experiences you see around you. It's not comfortable when like I get, I get cringy when I see some of these listings that list low, then list high, then list low, then there's an offer date or offers anytime, but they still want lots more or, you know, price change, price change, termination, suspension, whatever. Agents see this. So another piece of advice, regardless of whether you're representing a buyer or a seller, is put the hat on of the people you're going to be appealing to or the people that are are on the other side of the transaction. If you're listing a place, wear the buyer's agent hat and the buyer's hat of what's this going to look like to them and what's this going to do and how are they, like this is something we talk about even when we're walking through houses and when we're identifying little things, like you said, like baseboards or things like that, let your sellers know these are the things right or wrong that buyers are going to use as a reason to give you less money or not make an offer or go somewhere else. Right. Doesn't mean that you don't have a beautiful house. Doesn't mean you don't deserve lots of money, but the job of a buyer's agent is to provide fiduciary service to their client and For that reason, they're going to do what they can, especially when they don't feel like they're in a heavy competition to give you the least for it possible and to justify that. If you know that, and the same thing as a buyer, here's what the listing agent and here's what the seller is looking for. And here's the strategy they're using. The more you understand that, the easier it is to educate your client, not being critical or negative, just saying, here's what they're thinking, right? And when you can do that, again, it makes you look like like a boss, about yeah um a couple other activities that i think we haven't used um so much lately just because of covid um 
mainly is because is open houses, um, or maybe people don't need to do open houses because the house sells itself as well. But a lot of, I think, you know, there's two camps of agents. There's agents that believe that open houses are useless and they're just a big marketing uh, push for the agent as opposed to for the house. But I can tell you from experience that doing open houses can potentially find you the buyer that you need for that house, especially mm-hmm when the buyers aren't just clawing and, and fighting each other for the house, you need to find that kind of like one in a, one in a million buyers sometimes, and that can come through an open house. And so I think that that's a marketing activity that we should start reconsidering a little bit more if you're not doing that currently. I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm totally pro open house. I mean, mm-hmm. it, and it is a good, I mean, both of us have found clients through open yeah. houses, yeah. but this is, uh, you know, I, I've also got buyer clients historically and it's starting again, who now as open houses are picking up, they want to go see houses on a Saturday and they will look in the area they're at and see how many have open houses and just want to tour it as the way that they do their showings. Right. Yeah. And the open houses we've seen our agents do, I'm hearing there's a lot more agents going to the open houses with their clients than what I remember in the past. Like this has become part of the, the showing bonanza that people do. Plus sometimes people want to have an agent there to ask questions of, right? Like it's, it's nice yeah. to have that, whether it's somebody yeah. who's represented or not. Um, yeah. Definitely when we've had properties that are auctions, but just think about any listing that is not a cookie cutter listing. It's helpful sometimes that you're there to just be able to, to add more color mm-hmm. to the place. Yeah. I mean, agent open houses, I haven't seen come back really, but once mm. upon a time for those people that have just entered the industry, there was such thing as an agent open house, which those were during, fun during the week. And actually brokerages, I remember would go around like offices, um, like they'd have, a, it's almost like a, what they call a caravan and you'd yeah. go around with like a group of people and just see what's popped up in the area. Now that was more so when people were farming a specific area or interested in a, a different a certain area um, that was more relevant. You're not going to go all over the greater Toronto area or depending on where you're trading, but if you do have a farm area, um, you know, it could be a good thing. Well, maybe not to do, but I feel like that's not as relevant anymore because I feel like agents are more so going all over the place, but there used to be agent open houses. So if you see one of those, that's a thing. (laughs) I I do. I do remember hosting a couple of those. And and for the most part, they were strong ways to get the word out there and really to let a group of people Mm -hmm. push it out there. Like think, think these BS things on million dollar listing when they have like all the agents have the big party and like, this is, Hey, tell all your rich clients. Yeah. Similar idea minus the rich clients and the million dollar listing. But I'm just thinking of something. There's Uh a lot of agents these days and me included that will ask permission of a listing agent to advertise their listing, especially if it's in your own area that you're focused on farming. Um, So an agent open house can be a really great way to encourage agents to come out, mm-hmm. do their own little TikTok or their reel or whatever they want to do, advertise the property. The more advertising, the better. Like, I don't understand the agents that don't let other people advertise their listings. Like, just get it out there. You mm-hmm. never know where you're going to find your buyer. But if you give people the time to do that, as opposed to an agent, like kind of feeling bad about going in and doing their own film and like, you know, making this, the, 
buy, seller like leave their house in order to do that. If you give people a window of time and encourage agents to like do your own film, put up a reel, like you know, use it for your own content. That may be a way to bring agent open houses back. That's you a maybe good call idea. it a different thing. Oh, like, I, th- I think. I think you could go even farther than that. I think you're onto something though. I think like, think about when we had the the grand opening in our office Yeah. and there are a bunch of spots in here that lend themselves well to sharing a picture and take a little selfie and whatever. If you do what you said and then go Mm -hmm. even farther to identify or create a set or a spot or something that allows these people to properly share something. And like, it almost gives them the content as well as the property if they want it. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I mean, I I think you're right. I think if if people are given Mm -hmm. a platform and a reason, especially with the number of realtors who keep wondering, how am I going to get leads and where's my content and what do I do? If there's explicitly, you know, spend 10 bucks on Facebook to advertise or do whatever note out there in the realtor groups or whatever to say, this is a, whatever it's called, you know, an, an mm-hmm. agent listing share event or something, you know, yeah. or, or an, or an advertise yourself, whatever for all you Vaughn agents mm-hmm. come out, yeah. hook it up. Yeah. I like it. All right. Well, let's, there's let's just your get a idea. listing now. Well, our next listing will do it. Yeah, it's going to happen. And if you don't show up as a realtor, you're not taking advantage of these marketing tools we're providing to you. <laughs> exactly. So I don't feel bad for you. Yeah. But yeah, above all else, and this is kind of how we started. No, because we're, we're going to wrap this up now, but I want to tie it with a little bow, not data. Well, yes, data, but not data. <laughs> What's wrong with data? Data. Nothing. I love data. No, I love data. It's just you're the tactical one. No, I'm not. What I'm saying is now is the time to work your ass off. That's what it is. We've become complacent as an industry for the most part. And yes, I'm talking to you. Everyone who's listening is like, who me? (laughs) Exactly. I'm talking to you. All of us are, have not, you know, we've focused and we've worked hard and we've put in the hours, but when it comes to really digging in to getting the work done, to get these transactions popping, Mm -hmm. we haven't had to for two years. Right. Mm-hmm. And so use this. I don't think this is a crash. I don't think a bubble's bursting, but we're definitely in less of a easy peasy situation than we've been for a while. We've got mm-hmm. consumers in flux, buyers and sellers don't know what's going on. Now's the time to shine. Now's the mm-hmm. time to separate the, the big kids from the little kids, the grownups <laughs> from the babies. Let's do it. Go be a grown up. Yeah. Bust your ass. Come to our open house and advertise our listings. Yeah. So thank you for listening today. Um, I, we did want to mention also that starting in June, we're going to do a little mini agent boot camp for the month of June, like a weekly series of just how to lead gen, how to get more business. This is more directed towards newer agents, but if you are an agent and you're feeling the need to just you know, kickstart the last half of the year, this could be a great opportunity for you. So we'll be chatting more about that in the coming weeks, but and it we'll doesn't, to... and this isn't like selling, this doesn't cost anything. This isn't no, no, like no, a buyer a free... system yeah. thing. We don't charge for no, things. No, no. We're dumb. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everything's free. No, but like, yeah, but it's just like free ideas on how to start generating business, how to just develop more consistency for yourself when it comes to the area of, um, Legion, which is 
how you, how you get your business. So um, if you want to join us, uh, we will be putting some information in the show notes for this week on where to find it. And we will send out more information as it, as it becomes available. And that is it. All so right. thanks for everybody for listening this week. Into the unknown. <laughs> Good luck to you this week on your your businesses. I know you're all gonna kick ass, and we will see you next week. Bye. Cheerio. Cheerio. <laughs> Level up, 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 level up,